Well, folks, this week, apparently there was yet another one of those uh, conservative turning point uh, USA conferences. And there was a woman that got up on stage who was an ally of Mike Lindell. In fact, she was kind of introducing him, saying that he was going to be speaking later on. But before she got to that point, Sharona Bishop decided to take a few moments to talk about the sacrifices that Mike Lindell has made. And she admitted probably much to Mike Lindell's chagrin, that he has in fact lost everything. And then she burst into tears. So here she is, this Miss Sharona Brown, talking about what Mike Lindell has given up to prove exactly nothing. Here it is. I'm with this team and with Mike Lindell because he has kept every single promise he's ever made. The first person we called was Mike Lindell. And probably the last one we call when this is all over to thank him for his steadfastness, his courageous character rich. Have you ever seen anything like it? Losing everything to gain a country. That's what we're doing right now. And that's what Mike is doing. I want to introduce just a couple of these people to you. It's been such an honor the last two years to watch Mike Lindell put all of this together in the face of unbelievable odds. Losing everything to gain a country. <sighs> Sorry. It's it's heartwarming. It's moving. Uh, Mike Lindell, who we know has financial problems. I mean, that much has been obvious. The reports have told us that over the last year and a half. Uh, Lindell has repeatedly denied that his company and that he personally is having any kind of financial problems at all. Even though his actions, like having a fire sale of equipment from his MyPillow company, kind of tells us he is, he insists everything is fine and great and wonderful. But apparently, Miss Brown there just kind of gave up the game and said that he has, in fact, lost everything. And then she cried for some reason, as if she had lost. But there's a couple things that she said, right? You know, um, in the face of unbelievable odds, he has done these things. Done what? Like, literally, can you point to an actual thing that Mike Lindell has accomplished? Okay, he's talked a lot. He's he's said a lot of things, right, obviously. But what has he accomplished? What in America today has changed because of what Mike Lindell has said about the 2020 election? Tell me. Show me. The answer is literally nothing is different in America today because of Mike Lindell. And she also said that he has kept every single promise that he's made. That's a bald-faced lie. Mike Lindell has repeatedly promised to show us during his little, uh, what are the little telethon type things he does, that he's going to show us irrefutable evidence of voter fraud. And every time he goes and does those things, cyber symposiums, what he calls them, uh, he doesn't show us anything. He doesn't ever actually give us real evidence. The one time he tried to give us something, he showed slides from a PowerPoint presentation that just had numbers on them. Like each slide had like a different number and he didn't even really tell us what those numbers were. He just wrote numbers down and said, well, here's a number. Look at, well, it's a big number, huh? And then he moved on. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't kept any promises. He has accomplished absolutely nothing except of course, for getting himself sued into oblivion. Lindell, of course, is still facing lawsuits from Smartmatic and Dominion for the 
statements he's made about those companies, you know, those trials still way off into the future. So God only knows how long until we get resolutions there. But this is disturbing behavior on the part of Miss Brown to sit up there and, and, and bring yourself to tears because of Mike Lindell. The guy's done nothing of value. He has nothing of substance. He has used this whole thing to try to sell more products and it hasn't worked, which is why he's lost everything. I have no sympathy for him losing everything because he's the one who made these horrible decisions. He could have stayed out of politics. He could have not gone on this crusade. He could have just been a Republican running a pillow company supporting Donald Trump, but stayed out of the whole 2020 election. And honestly, his business would probably be fine. He did this to himself and he continues to do it to this day because he thinks eventually it'll help his business. It won't. So don't shed a tear for Mike Lindell. He brought all this on himself. New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman, who has repeatedly been referred to as the Trump whisperer due to the fact that over the years he seems to be the one reporter that he opens up to. She has had basically unfettered access to Trump insiders. She gets all the goods and her reporting has been absolutely the best on the inner workings of Donald Trump's campaign and his businesses for many years now. And the reason I'm prefacing this segment by saying that is because Haberman in an interview with CNN this week, following the E. Jean Carroll verdict late last Friday. Uh, but this week Haberman said that Donald Trump is of course enraged over that ruling. That's not surprising, right? We've, we've seen Donald Trump enraged over this ruling. So that's not necessarily new news, but it's not just that he lost or that he has to pay a ton of money. Obviously the money is a big part of it, but Haberman explains that part of the reason Donald Trump is so mad about this is because he has been doing a very good job of campaigning on his legal problems. But suddenly with this case, it makes it a lot more difficult to campaign on it because this was a civil suit. Even though his base doesn't care about it, it's not going to help him with the general public. Here's what Haberman had to say. I believe he's looked at all these court stops as part of his campaign because he's seen some political benefit for lumping them together. This was a civil case. Then there are the four criminal cases, but for a lot of his voters, they're indistinguishable one from the other. I do think it was a rallying cry for his base in part, but I also think this did involve a financial judgment. And I think that he thought he was going to show up and try to sell the jury. Essentially, it obviously did not work. Trump never likes parting with money. And so there is no way he's happy at the moment, either about the E. Jean Carroll verdict or the fact that he's going to have to pay some penalty in the civil fraud trial. Exactly what it means for his company and personal finances, we don't know but it doesn't mean anything good. This is a lot of liquid, a lot of question about how much cash on hand Trump actually has. So there's several things to kind of unpack there. Obviously the last statement she made $83 million plus the 5 million he already owes her. So 88 million total in order to appeal his verdict, Donald Trump is going to have to take at least a portion of that, a good portion of it. So tens of millions of dollars and put it in an escrow account with the court. 
If you do not do that to show the court in good faith that yes, you have the money, but you disagree, you believe there was something wrong in the trial, then you can appeal it. If you've put the money away, if you don't put the money away, you don't get to appeal it. So that's a big problem Trump has. So even if he doesn't have to pay the money to E. Jean Carroll, he still has to have that much cash liquidated to put it in the escrow. That's something most people do not realize about judgments like this. He can't just appeal it because he doesn't like it. You still got to have the money ready to go if you lose upon appeal and you have to pay. So that's a big thing that bothers him. But part of that is the liquidity problem. Does Donald Trump have $88 million sitting in his bank account? Can, can he go to the ATM and pull out 88 million or walk into the bank and say, Hey, I need to make a withdrawal for 88 million. A cashier's check would be fine. I'm giving it to the court. Um, maybe, maybe not right. Rich people aren't Scrooge McDuck with a giant money bin. They have it in investments. So there's a chance Donald Trump may have to admit to his supporters. He's not going to go out there and say it, but he's going to admit through his actions that he has to sell off properties to get that cash to pay Eugene Carroll. That's going to be a humiliating moment for him. And that is probably the biggest reason why he is enraged. He also, as she said, couldn't sell the jury, couldn't convince them that he wasn't a swindler, that he wasn't a defamer, that he wasn't a horrible guy that pisses him off. Alina Haba, her repeated failures in the courtroom, being threatened with being thrown in jail by the judge. That's not sitting well with Donald Trump. He may be on the verge of losing her, you know, getting rid of her because of her poor performance. So everything about this has pissed Donald Trump off. But as Haberman is kind of trying to get at, it's pissing him off on different levels where he hasn't been pissed off before because this one stings deeply and it could reveal further to the public that he doesn't actually have as much money as he wants us all to think. Donald Trump Jr. appeared at that Turning Point USA action conference, whatever thing it was this week. And uh, it seems like he prepared for his speech by maybe going a little overboard on the stimulants. Jr. gave a manic speech that not only made no sense, but the dude is spouting like a thousand words a minute like he's on a time crunch and have to has to say as many things as humanly possible or his brain is going to explode. So here is junior. This is kind of a supercut of parts of his speech where he's just going 90 miles an hour. And you know, he swears he never does drugs, but you know, look at the clip and decide for yourself. Here it is. Our people, you know, it's, Trump was effective in negotiation because he's actually been in a negotiation before. It wasn't like, Hey, trillions of dollars are on the line. Let me take a crack at this. Let's see what happens. Homeland Security person said 1,000 would be like an invasion. 1,000 was far too much. It was an unsustainable level. A few short years later, after having the disaster number and go times five, and the Republicans are fine with this. Not all of them. Guys like J.D. Vance fight for it, but like, that's it, basically, in the Senate. There's probably one or two others, but we can't name them. You know, lower income, wages going up, et cetera, et cetera. You know, minor things like that. You know, the things that we promise our people, but never actually deliver on except for Trump. Now I'm watching, you know, Senator Lankford of Oklahoma. Amazingly enough, this is going to work out great for his uh, gubernatorial campaign. Working out a deal where they allow 5,000. 
It's lunacy. Now, let me go ahead and just say, as, as I you know, said right before the clip, Donald Trump Jr. swears he, he doesn't take any drugs. Um, but that's not how you normally talk. I mean, you're usually a fast talker. I'll give you that. But when you're on Fox News and sometimes when you're doing other things, when you show up at, at, at speeches, typically, um, it's fast, but it's not that fast, right? Like your body almost seemed like if you didn't get out X number of words in the next 10 seconds, it was going to explode. But again, he insists he does not take drugs. So we have to take him at his words. But if you've ever been around somebody that, uh, maybe did, did a couple lines. Um, I, I know I I've seen people in that situation. I've personally never done it myself, but I've been around people that have, and, uh, that, that is literally how they act, you know, for the most part among other things. But, uh, yeah, just the, the fast talking, like your, your brain is forming thoughts faster than your mouth can get them out. So your mouth is trying to overcompensate. That's kind of what that looked like to me. I'm not saying he's on drugs, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was totally on drugs there because that's not how he normally speaks. And that's not how a normal person speaks, not to mention the content of what he was saying. It made absolutely no sense. That was one of the most incoherent rants that I think I have ever heard from a member of the Trump family. And that's saying a lot. These people never make sense to begin with, but Trump Jr. there just took it to a whole nother level with whatever the hell is influencing him while he's up on that stage. But here's why I want to talk about this. Because as I've said before, I get this question all the time. If I do a Q and a who takes over the MAGA movement when Trump senior is gone, is it going to be Don jr? You look at that clip right there and you tell me if you think that junior has what it takes to be a political movement leader. There's no way that guy could lead a movement. He doesn't have the charisma of his dad, you know, part of the appeal of his father to his supporters. And they've said this, so this is how we know this. He talks like them. And you know, we've seen Trump do his speeches and he gets a little relaxed, but he talks to them. He likes to talk. Words are talking, talking with words, repeating himself slowly so that they can understand it so that it makes more of an impact. That is how you work a crowd. Barack Obama was a great orator and he wouldn't, you know, go off too fast on words. There'd be pauses for dramatic effect. When you make a point, you make a pause, right? That's how you speak. That's how you move a crowd. That's how you motivate people. That's how you captivate them. Junior is just a thousand words a minute. I have to say every word I know. It doesn't matter if they make sense, but my God, I got to get them out of my head because my head's going to blow up. That's, that's not a leader. That's certainly not somebody that's going to lead a political movement. So once again, to answer that age old question, who takes over the MAGA movement when Trump senior is gone, we don't know who it's going to be, but I think we can all pretty much tell at this point, it's definitely not going to be junior and all of those words that he likes to say really, 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 really fast. He ain't got it. And 
if he is taking something to make himself like that, please seek help. So a new study was published uh, within the last week, and I love the title of it. Let me just start by telling you the title of the study. The title of the study is Lying for Trump, Elite Cue-Taking and Expressive Responding on Vote Method. Lying for Trump. What does that mean? Well, once you get into the study, it's pretty clear what the authors mean with the title of Lying for Trump. Because it turns out, based on the results of this new study, Trump supporters, not Republicans in general, but Trump supporters, will pretty much literally lie about anything, even if it's inconsequential. Now, to be fair, the authors didn't say that these people will lie about anything. And they said, you know, it's it's difficult to draw that kind of a conclusion from this limited study, but I'm going to go ahead and interpret it the way I would like to interpret it. And that is based on what I'm reading here. Trump supporters will in fact lie about anything. Let me read you this. The researchers discovered that Trump supporters who were more politically aware were likelier to falsely claim that they had not used mail-in voting in the past. This misreporting was attributed to what is known as quote, expressive responding a phenomenon where individuals respond to surveys in a way that aligns with their political beliefs or the cues from political elites rather than their actual behavior. So these people responded to the questions that were being asked of them, not based on how they actually do things, but how they think a guy like Donald Trump would want them to respond. Even when Trump wasn't going to ever know that these people said these things. So even though they know Trump's not going to know, he wasn't there. He wasn't a part of the study. They still lied to make their past actions align with what Trump has told them. And it continues. They wrote, quote, we find that president's rhetoric against the fraudulent process of voting by mail may have led to further erosion of trust in mail-in voting as his supporters, who we know usually vote by mail, were less likely to be forthright about this standard method of voting. In short, they were lying for Trump. This tendency was particularly pronounced among Trump supporters who were highly attentive to political news. They misrepresented their usage of mail-in voting by about 12 percentage points compared to those with less exposure to political news. So these Trump supporters that are more plugged into conservative news, they know Trump hates mail-in voting, but they know they voted by mail in past elections because the researchers are able to access that data. And the more news you watch, the more, you know, Trump hates it, the more likely you're to be like, no, 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 I, I don't vote by mail. I hate voting by mail. Oh, screw the mail. And the researchers, they didn't call these people out. They were like, mm-hmm, okay, sure. I mean, Okay, sure. You never vote by mail, right? Oh, I never vote by mail. These people said Trump hates it. I hate it. We all hate it. And then as the researchers point out, these people are actually already planning on voting by mail in this year's elections. And they've voted by mail in the past, but they lied because they thought Trump wanted them to lie. So again, It's difficult and scientifically, yeah, you don't want to extrapolate this data and apply it to all situations because that's not scientific. 
But psychologically speaking, it would make sense that these people, if they're willing to lie about this one thing that they know Trump will never even find out, then they're willing to lie about other things that Trump will also not find out. I mean, that's kind of (laughs) where we're going with this. So yeah, more studies need to be done, but as it stands right now, it seems pretty obvious that Trump supporters are willing to lie about anything just to make Donald Trump happy, even when they know that he'll never know. They will still lie about their own past if they think eventually it could make Trump happy. See, we're not dealing with serious people. We're not dealing with a difference of political ideology or policy differences or anything like that. We're dealing with a cult and these people should be treated as such. listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced. Balanced.